chapter the 33rd. Si quid debeant monarchy proprium habere. Whether monks ought to have anything of their own. The vice of private ownership is above all to be cut off from the monastery by the roots. Let none presume to give or receive anything without leave of the abbot, nor to keep anything as their own, either book or writing tablet or pen or anything whatsoever, since they are permitted to have neither body nor will in their own power. But all that is necessary they may hope to receive from the father of the monastery. Nor are they allowed to keep anything which the abbot has not given, or at least permitted them to have. Let all things be common to all, as it is written, neither did anyone say that aught which he possessed was his own. But if anyone shall be found to indulge in this most baneful vice, and after one or two admonitions do not amend, let him be subjected to correction. But thou, o Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks, Mr. God. The composition of this section of the Holy Rule is logical. St. Benedict treats first the cellar of the monastery, and then he treats of the iron tools and property of the monastery, and today he treats of monastic disappropriation. To appropriate something to oneself is to claim ownership Ownership, of course, implies power over something. And so, we Benedictines do not speak of poverty, nor do we make the vow of poverty, as do the mendicant orders and the modern congregations. For us, the radical disappropriation is part of conversatio morum, the complete change of, of life by conversatio morum. It's a vow that um, encompasses everything that goes into the making of a monk. And for St. Benedict, this disappropriation is indispensable. In fact, he refers to private ownership in the very first sentence as a vice that is to be cut off from the monastery by the roots. And in the last sentence, he calls it this most baneful vice. This most 
And so the teaching of St. Benedict uh, begins with a condemnation of appropriation to oneself of anything at all. And it ends with this uh, warning against the most baneful vice of wanting to say mine, wanting to claim ownership, wanting to hold power over something or someone. But the mystical heart of chapter 33 is found in the middle of the chapter, in which St. Benedict says, since they are permitted to have neither body nor will in their own power. Here we come to the sequela Christi, to the following after Christ, which is more than a following after Christ. It becomes a complete identification of the monk with Christ in his victimal state. This mystery of the exinaitio of the Son of God, the end-nothing-ment of the Son of God, the complete self-emptying of the Son of God, that we contemplate in his most bitter passion and in his immolation on the cross, this same mystery contemplate in the sacred host. The host is, in some way, the living icon of Benedictine, if you must use the word, art, self-empty. For St. Benedict, this disappropriation is directly Naked on the court. That to me 
says everything about Benedictine misappropriation. And Mother MacTilde, of course, makes the imitation of the host the core of her teaching. Happily, our oblate Sister MacTilde is translated for us. Mother MacTilde's book, The True Spirit, The True Spirit of the Institute of the Benedictines and Provincial Adoration, Spirit. And the teaching given us in this little book is about the identification of the monk with the host. This is something that is not immediately evident to most readers of the Holy Rule. This really is part of the charism or the capital grace uh, given Mother MacTilt to be able to read the rule of St. Benedict in a Eucharistic key and to discover that the following of Christ is yes the Via Crucis it is the initial chapters of the Holy Rule on obedience, uh, humility, silence. But Mother MacTilde goes beyond the contemplation of the Lamb in his immolation, in the bloody manner, in the sacrifice of Calvary, and she pushes her imitation of Christ even to the point of imitating him in his Eucharistic kenosis in what we see <coughs> on the altar in the holy sacrifice of the mass it, Mother Mathilde teaches that the seal placed on this Eucharistic reading of the rule is the death of St. Benedict. His gloriously Eucharistic death, or according to tradition, not only did he die on Monday Thursday, the very day of the institution of the Most Holy Eucharist, but he died immediately after receiving the body and blood of Christ, standing before the altar. Death is not improvised. One dies as one So, to die such a Eucharistic death reveals that St. Benedict lived in Eucharistic life. Holy Communion unites us to the victimhood of Christ, to the mystery of the immolated Lamb. And this is why St. Benedict says in chapter 33, they are permitted to have neither body nor will in their own power. If you read that one sentence, in the light of everything that our Lord Jesus Christ says in the fourth gospel about his relationship to the Father, and if you read it in the light of that mysterious passage in the epistle to the Hebrews, 
that tells us what the Word uttered on coming into the world. When the Word descended into the womb of the Virgin, he did so as priest and victim, saying to the Father, it should be, behold, I come. And to have neither body nor will in one's own power is the perfect imitation of the host. The host that is the, that the monk priest is privileged to, to see lying on the corporal in the offertory of the Mass. The host that raised in the hands of the priest becomes the object of the contemplation of the whole community. This chapter,